Teaching to One, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Hello. Hello. We're all here. We are here because we are here because we're here. Hog. Yep, everyone out there is the here too. We're all here. Okay. Welcome. Yeah, it's the end of the year. It is. Prom, graduation. Uh-huh. Almost summer vacation time. Mm-hmm. We'll have one more episode. Almost. Before you are done. Done, done, done. But we're almost there. Yeah, we yeah. will. It's quickly running out. I think we all deserve a break pretty soon. I've been kind of swamped with work as well. It's mm-hmm. just been a very, very, very busy time. Yeah, it has been. I don't know how you measure a brain's activity, uh, but if you measured mine, it would probably just look like a kitten with a yarn ball. Mm. Just chaos. Like my brain is a yarn ball. A yarn ball. Yeah, that's how it feels. Because it's just a million things mm-hmm. every direction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I turn around in my classroom, it's like one more thing. Yeah. I so. did the thing that contractors do where they take on a few too many projects all at once because they don't want to be stuck without work to do. Uh-huh. It's just the contractor way of life. So so I did that. So now I'm just only working. No sleeping, no breathing, no eating. Only yeah. only work. Work is life. Life is work. The yeah, end. I feel that. I really oh, feel also that. in this podcast, though. Life is also 16 to 1, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Sleeping. And sleeping. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about something kind of light and fluffy and fun because we want the year to be light and fluffy and fun because it's just too much otherwise so I, had you told me that we were gonna like dive into like reagan area education yeah. i probably would have blocked your phone number yeah i don't think i could have even had that's one that's been on our list from almost the very beginning we want to talk about the effect yeah. of the reagan administration on public education in america which is just gonna require a lot of it I w- yeah, I would love to get like a historian in on that episode, maybe just to, mm-hmm. to help us navigate some of those waters because sure. it's such a particular time in history, especially in America. But yeah, it wasn't literally about that specific thing. It was yeah. just that if I had to research like a bill, anything mm-hmm. that was more than just what I could pull from my brain. Yeah. Uh, well, we also know that most of our listeners are educators and that they you are, don't want that right yeah now. <laughs> you also don't want to listen to a long slog through the reagan era's impact on education so not right now not right now when your brain is highly engaged and not at all tired we'll talk about that future us <laughs> future us will deal with that problem a later katie current, if you will. current us we are going to deal with educators in movies and tv we talked a little bit about teachers in fiction back way back in episode 30 mm-hmm. and you actually even mentioned one of the teachers that we're going to talk about today yeah. on that episode but that we start with yeah yeah we're but we're going to talk about specifically in the movies and tv sort of of our childhood i guess a lot of it is giving a, a retrospective on what some of these educators meant to us growing up what they mean to us now and just you know some like a critical little, lens of- yeah we're gonna give them because it's that time of year Chelsea's we're gonna establish an evaluation system yeah there's an evaluation them. system we're gonna give them their year-end evaluations as educators each one of them uh-huh their impact whether they whether we think they're good teachers now that we're adults and we can Ooh. look at things yeah whether or not we that that might change some mm-hmm, things yeah mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we don't always have those thoughts when we're absorbing this kind of media as kids. So we're, well, no. we're talking about Matilda and Dead Poet Society and things like that today. So, Master you know, Yoda. Yeah, yeah. And Star <laughs> Wars. We're talking about things that impact us very differently when we're young from how they might impact us now. Also focusing on mm-hmm. teachers who aren't creeps. Because mm-hmm. I am so tired of that storyline. <laughs> You definitely said the same thing in, in episode three, yeah. I remember. So there are a lot of, I mean... I'm just so mad about it. It's just, yeah. it's just like weak writing at this point. But Well, there are, it's just very popular and trendy to be dark and gritty right now, too. Even in with fiction, with storytelling, and a sure. lot of really popular television right now, it's all just make it darker and grittier. And well, and like teachers more just Batman-y. don't... More Batman-y. 
creepy or Bruce Wayne. I like Wayne. that you've equated having a relationship with a teacher to being bad. Uh, no, 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 no. I uh, not at all. Uh, let me clarify. Because that's what I'm talking about. No, no, no. I'm just talking about how media seems to be obsessed with dark grittiness. That's all I meant. In Batman, I've heard. I have not seen the new Batman, but I've heard a lot of criticism of it as being just like blandly gritty. It's oh. basically just like. Nothing is going on and it's gritty and dark and bland. Really? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I've heard know. it was good. Oh, I have not heard dark, gritty, bland. Well, maybe I variations. only maybe I only follow humorless we media get, critics on Twitter. We get news from very different people. Though. Humorless people. That, those are those are the people I follow. But anyway, but uh, that's not me. Yeah. No, I was just saying, just uh, um, not dark and gritty all the time necessarily. Well, and dark and gritty. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that mascot has forever ruined the word gritty, gritty? to me because nothing else is gritty but gritty. Yeah. Um, Does pose a challenge. I'm just tired of TV shows and movies making stories out of teachers behaving inappropriately because we don't need any more bad press. You know, we just like, we're trying to make it. And there's a lot of us that are yeah. totally not dark, gritty Batmans, yeah. creeps. And uh, yeah. anyways, okay. Number one on our list. Oh, you're just jumping right into it. Forget that. Well, these are just positive, respectable teacher figures. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to start? Yes, please do. Okay. Please Number do. one. This should have been the whole list. Oh, only one. First and last. Go ahead. Miss Jennifer Honey. Miss Jennifer Honey. From Matilda by Roald Dahl. Yep. And she is played by Embeth Davids. Okay, cool. Embeth Davids. Okay, so. She looks like somebody else. But I don't remember who. And Beth Davids? Mm-hmm. Miss Honey? Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. She's very firmly Miss Honey in my head. Okay. But, anyways. Well, this um, is a, an extremely formative uh, movie for, for you personally. One of the most. This is like the core memories that come out of, in, remember that, Inside, yeah. what is that one called? I'm Inside Out? You, yeah. Inside Out, the Pixar I thought you were going to call it In and Out. In and Out? In and Out Burger? The Burger movie? The Pixar movie? Uh, no, my core Inside memory out. is a double cheeseburger? My core memory is a side of fries. Uh, no, Inside Out, the Pixar movie, it's like a core memory. This movie is like a core memory for you. Yeah. Okay. So, just really quickly. Um, Miss Honey is the hero of the story. Her dad was Magnus Honey and was a prominent doctor, and he died when she was very young and leaves her with his deceased wife's half-sister, who is Agatha Trunchbull. Agatha Trunchbull. Trunchbull is the principal at the school where Miss Honey teaches and where Matilda attends school. I don't want to spoil the book or the movie, but it was published in... Well, the book was published in 1988 and the movie in 1996. So if I'm spoiling it, that's on you. You should, you should catch up. It's not a spoil anymore. Uh-huh. Matilda has crap parents, including very specifically Danny DeVito, and finds happiness and comfort in her local library and her favorite teacher, Miss Honey. We love a local library. So Miss Honey is an angel. She spent her whole life overcoming the odds of being raised by a horrible woman and uh, losing both of her parents at a very young age. And somehow she can turn all of that bad in the good, making her classroom a magical and bright place where the kids love and trust her. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they know Trunchbull is coming in and they like go around and undecorate the whole room because it had been like really bright and like covered in the kids' paintings and stuff. And Trunchbull didn't want it to be like that. And so Miss Honey had her classroom so that all the kids could flip everything and they'd go back to like this boring, ugly place that wasn't very welcoming to education. That's cute. As you said, one of my most favorite movies, Uh probably mostly because my third grade teacher reminded me so much of Miss Honey. Mm. Can you, do you think you can trace a lot of your interest in becoming an educator back to this movie? Is it formative that way? Yeah. I mean, it's a little different for for you because you're a teacher's kid, so you really couldn't escape it no matter what you did. Mm -hmm. No, it was... (laughs) It was my fate. It was just going to happen. It was bound to happen. But eventually, Miss Honey adopts Matilda, saves her from her crap family. Mm -hmm. And it's so great. And so for me, Miss Honey is this universal story of like students relying on teachers to be more than just teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to like look at the learning environment, it's like proof that just having a teacher who like cares and loves is a big thing and being invested in them. And I just think Miss Honey is great. So that's... My official rating, what are we doing this out of? What are we rating them on? Like five out of five pencils? What are we yeah, doing? Yeah, five out of five pencils. How okay. many pencils? 
Miss Honey gets ten pencils. Miss Honey gets ten pencils. Okay, so what's your end of the year eval on Miss Honey? My end of year eval, which is far less biased. My thoughts on Miss Honey are going to be way different from yours Mm -hmm. because I didn't really watch this movie all the way through with concentration until I was an adult, really. Like last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like last year. I think that was last year when I watched it. It was. That was really the first. I mean, I remember it being on as a kid, but I never. I just really never. It wasn't in my rotation for whatever reason. So. My first encounters with Miss Honey were as an adult watching this kids movie uh, about this teacher. And I think by the time I got to around to it, Miss Honey is more age-wise. She's more like a peer than somebody like an adult that I want to be I when bet, I grow up. <laughs> I bet Miss Honey is younger than us right now. Probably. That's disturbing. I don't like that. She probably is younger than, than we are right now. So she seems more like a peer than somebody I want to eventually grow up to be or even younger than a peer but I do really appreciate in general her love of whimsy and adventure like you're talking about her classroom yeah. uh, decorations and when she takes them out and get the newts yeah that's kind of like advent- adventurous she's willing to stand up to bullies yeah. she's also kind of ornery she she risks getting Matilda into a little bit of trouble with a yeah. kind of plan that ha- unfolds throughout the movie but anyway she's you know She's unafraid to to do some things to to stand up for what she thinks is right. And I think that I like all of that. Anyway, she's not so much like a folk hero that kids sometimes look up to when they're watching that movie. She's more like, I want to have coworkers who think like this. Uh Like, that's how I think of her. I look at Miss Honey and want to have the relationships that she has with her students. Well, I was just about to say that I feel like I've heard you express how important that kind of thing is even in your own Mm -hmm. day-to-day job. I feel like you do go about your job very much with that in mind and about addressing and educating the whole child and Mm -hmm. making sure you're there for them in so many different ways from what the popular discourse thinks of. When it thinks of teachers, it does not begin to encompass all the way that all the ways that educators are really there for their students. Mm -hmm. Um, Way beyond school hours. (laughs) So Okay. Yeah. How many pencils do you give Miss Honey? Oh, I give... Miss Honey, a, a lot of pencils. A lot of pencils. Yeah. I don't really think we have a very fair evaluation system, but... Uh, no. Also, I don't think we would have put them on this list if they weren't, like, mostly okay. True, true. Okay. So next... Okay. I mean, I guess I should give her 10 out of 5 pencils if that's the baseline. I'll give her... Yeah, two. I kind of broke our... You, you broke the... I broke our evaluation system. system to start with. I'll give her 5 out of 5 pencils. I'll follow okay. the rules. I'll go back to 5. Okay, number 2. John Keating from the Dead Poets Society, which is played by Robin Williams mm-hmm oh gosh what a good movie okay so mr keating teaches at a fictional elite conservative vermont boarding school called yeah. welton academy mm-hmm. and he teaches poetry that's like one of the big focuses for him i would and imagine this is he's like, a literature teacher but he loves poetry when you're growing up when you read old story books about really strict boarding schools and getting wrapped on the knuckles yeah. with rulers and stuff that's, that's this, this kind of school mm-hmm. um and the boys are all wearing like really stiff collars and uniforms and mm-hmm. there's ties decorum and rules and mandatory chapel and stuff like that that's yeah. the kind of place we're talking about this movie features a very young Robert Sean Leonard, a very young Ethan Hawke, and a young Josh Charles. Mm-hmm. While I was babies, it's baby babies. While Robin Williams, I'm gonna say that was near the prime of his career mm-hmm. as Mr. Keating. Keating is not like the other teachers at this very strict boarding school. He jumps on his desks, he screams, he yells, and he does everything he can to make poetry human. <laughs> We'll keep that one in. That was a good one. That was a a good one. What a good girl. Great timing, honey. That was the dog sounding her barbaric yawp. And so, (laughs) because of this, like, over-the-top approach to teaching, he gets these young men to buy into him, right? It takes a long time for some of them. Um, well, they're all also scared. They're rule followers a lot. They of them. are. And they're there because they're expected to do well because they have high expectations from their parents. They have huge societal pressure, peer pressure. And so really, they're just doing their time to get the grades to doing go on time. to, yeah. you and I mean, whatever. It's very much a traditional elite private school mm-hmm. mentality about everything, including discipline and academics yeah yeah so the plot of the movie actually does a lot to focus on the stress and pressure of being a young man attending an academy like this not i don't i mean i teach it in public high school so it's as far from that academy as it can be 
but I see the same types of pressures in my students. So I think sure. that those sure. are like universal and they do a good job, of, a good job of conveying, especially the parental expectations and like the pressures of society and mental health and things like that. Yeah. So it's actually, when I was going back through it, I was kind of impressed with how much it covered. Yeah. Cause we're talking like not a time when these conversations were happening. No. Not like they are today. We should also probably have said this at the beginning, but if you go watch this content note, there are mentions of suicide in the mm-hmm. movie. So yeah. it's it's a dark story because we have to cover these pressures that these kids are feeling and facing. And also that the teacher ends up feeling and facing. So the, te- the Robin Williams character also ends up feeling pressure to achieve. A certain kind of achievement is yeah. required from him in this environment, let's just say, from his peers mm-hmm. and other faculty at the school and from administrators. So everyone's in he's, this academic pressure cooker. And he's the black sheep, for yes. sure. Keating yes. is. Because he wants kids to have fun. Yeah, and he wants poetry to be real and yes. human to them and like reveal something about the human condition, basically. So eventually, the men do take to poetry and they enjoy it. How dare they? I love that part. And they create their own dead poet society and they thank their teacher by reciting, Oh, Captain, my captain, when he comes in. I would say that at the end of the day, the dead poet society is a story of winning students over by meeting them at their level. Mm -hmm. I think Keating's job is that he can make poetry that is very outdated on the surface be very relevant. Mm -hmm. And he wins them over by treating them like young adults, which I think is... Probably the best way to a teenager's heart is to not treat them like a child. Definitely I mean, that movie, was certainly true of me when I was growing up. For sure. <laughs> I would say that as far as like movies go of teachers, this is like a dream. Like I used to look at Keating and be like, I want to be a Keating. Not how it goes at the end for him, but the rest of his. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, like when I look inside his four walls of his classroom. He gets fired for being too unconventional. Yeah. Long and story so, short. Yeah. So that part, not ideal. But losing your job, not ideal. But I think in Keating's heart and the heart of those young men, it was all in the exact right place at the exact right time. And I think that's very special. And if you watch it, you will cry and you will laugh and you will feel a lot of things. And I I would give Keating five pencils of for being maybe four pencils, because I'm going to guess there was something in his contract that said he couldn't do what he was doing. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Four pencils were breaking contracts. I'm just kidding. Um, oh. You know what I mean, though? Like, I look at him, and he's a teacher that you dream of when you dream of teachers. Yeah. And that's very hard. And also, it's Robin Williams, and he yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. I miss Robin Williams a lot. And I, he makes yeah. he makes poetry so likable, and mm-hmm. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your end-of-the-year evaluation My end-of-the-year evals. Uh, I give Keating five out of five pencils also. The fact that he is snubbing his nose at these administrators i love that these stuffy old guys uh that that's more points in his favor rather than rather than fewer i'm I'm, you know that's one of my favorite things about him is Mm -hmm. that he is unafraid to stand up and tell the stodgy old wanks to shove it where the sun don't shine and i kind of wish more people had the opportunity to do that However, it's not easy because, as we see at the end, he loses his job for it. So it's been a really, really long time since I've seen Dead Poet Society. And I think that there are probably different archetypal teachery teacher movies now. This was like the archetypal teachery movie when we were growing up. People were talking about this. This and I also wanted to put on as a kind of runner up Mr. Holland's Opus, which was definitely in the discourse at that time when we were kids. So that one's about an orchestra teacher winning kids over, basically. I was also Um, thinking of... Isn't it Goodwill Hunting? Yes, Goodwill uh, that Hunting. one also occurred yes, to me as well. One. Yep, yep, that's another. But another story those from the are scene. all like in the same yeah. range of movies. Yeah. Like, so basically, I combined all of those into just talking about Dead Poets Society because for some reason in my head they all run together. But yes, definitely Goodwill Hunting as well. Yeah, but anyway, these are all three driving. I think driving at the same basic principle which is that sometimes you have to do a lot of work to unearth curiosity in students that's a great way of describing what he does i think all of them and all of those bits do well i guess i will say i don't think that the thrust of this movie really hit me as a kid because i was a little too close to the student who would have been uncomfortable breaking the rules because oh. I, I was like so obsessed yeah. with achievement in school that it i was just been. like what is everybody like what 
not that I'm not having fun, but what is the big deal here? Like, why do we need to stand up and yell? Like, why do we need to... Why are we screaming season day? <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think it was kind of like later on in, in college and in grad school that I learned how to enjoy myself a bit more. So, again, I find myself... Oh. <laughs> well, again, and now... That's so sad. I know, but now I look at Keating and I'm like, oh, I like that he's ornery and I like that he's unafraid to point out oh. policies and stodginess. But back then, that would have been... Your rule-following brain was like, just do your job. I mean, I mean, I wasn't quite as bad as, what's this, the kid's name, Cameron, in the movie, yeah, the one that turns him in, kind of. Yeah. Um, I wasn't as bad as that, because I enjoyed breaking rules when I thought that administrators were being stuffy old fools, which was more often than not, but I still felt myself being in that pressure cooker. Sure. So I felt, once again, this was just the way this movie fell with when I first consumed it. I was definitely more on the side of the kids who needed the break rather than in the teacher trying to fight the good fight. For sure. Um, That's fair. I'm going to have to go back and watch it now and see how I feel about it at this stage in my life. I don't know. I don't know if my heart could handle it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I might wait till we're a little bit more out of the pandemic and that kind of, you know, the dark grittiness. Mm hmm. Okay, you want to jump to our next okay. our next educator in this film? This was one of your choices for uh, our list. <laughs> yeah. So Chelsea chose Master Yoda from Star Wars. Master Yoda. And yes. he is a legendary Jedi Master and had one of the strongest connections with the Force. Uh, you, you're saying that I chose this, but really this was just like a me for you for choosing you. kind of thing. Because Kate is, a, Kate is the, of the two of us, is the outsized Star Wars fan. So most recently, Yoda became famous again because he's the same species as Grogu, who everyone calls Baby Yoda, from The Mandalorian and from the Book of Boba Fett. In Star Wars, Yoda is the mentor of some of the most powerful Jedi ever, including Obi-Wan Kenobi and Master Luke Skywalker. And on the Star Wars Wikipedia, they had this really great flowchart of all the master-apprentice relationships stemming from Yoga. Oh, wow. From Yoga. Stemming from Yoda. And essentially, if you are attached to the Force in any way, you are by proxy Yoda-affiliated, <laughs> is yeah. how I would say it. Yeah. Um, He's sort so, of the patriarch of the Jedi Order in a lot yeah. of ways. And so that includes like Mace Windu and the younglings, rest in peace, and Anakin. Not great. Mm-hmm. So as I was trying... Anakin to- becomes Darth Vader, for those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah. But- Just in case you didn't know that. Well, and I started to think, I was like, can I really assess him as a teacher? Because I'm like way too big of a fan, right? Like I couldn't possibly evaluate Yoda. So I found this hilarious article called was yoda a good teacher mm. and it's by john spencer and he created the pros and cons list of whether yoda was a good teacher okay, yes and i read <laughs> it's through these. so funny i read through these i think there's something to them okay so, i agree with his assessment should i start with let's start with the bad oh okay is that okay sure so was yoda a good teacher uh-huh. the bad things about yoda uh-huh. he promoted a fixed mindset which we know isn't good yeah, and by that we probably mean that he had a very rigid moral structure and a very rigid discipline was core to everything he did, and there there was not much coloring outside of no. the lines for his students. It's black and white. But again, I, that's a little difficult because in the Star Wars w- world, discipline is basically what you're training yourself to do. Because you have to be able to use the Force it just, for your own. The good. whole thing you're doing is building up discipline. Yeah. So it's it's a little. It can feel a little. A little stodgy, a little limiting at times, I would bet. Okay, so the second reason he was a bad teacher, Uh he believed that there were good and bad students. So he believed that Anakin's character was permanent. Yeah. And that ended up proving true because he turns into Darth Vader, but... The article was basically arguing that had Yoda been a better teacher, he might have been able to, you know, sway mm-hmm. Anakin. So this is the that, main. This is the main part of my end of your eval for for Yoda. By the way, for this, Yoda? this point yeah. right here, this thing that he's made up his mind kind of about who's who's got the good juju and the bad okay. juju. Th- okay. Those are I have some bones to pick with Master Yoda. I wouldn't tell him that, but okay. Uh, he praised results over effort. <laughs> this is something that I actually deeply agree with. Because it didn't matter how hard they were trying to use the force. True. The only thing that mattered to him was if they did it. Okay. 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 Do you disagree? No, I just think it's funny to think of it that um, way. And the last, the last bad reason is not even a reason worth mentioning, but I love that John Spencer included it in this article, but it says his horrible syntax and constant muttering made him hard to understand. Mm. 
Not so much with the elocution. <laughs> okay, so what's good about Yoda? Uh-huh. He kept the learning relevant and hands-on. Uh, I suppose so. Life or death makes it very relevant. I didn't, don't think he really had much of a choice, but okay. yes, yes, he sure did. Uh, he cares about Luke and believed in him, even when Luke didn't believe in himself. He does believe in Luke. He believes in Luke, like, almost to a fault, I would say, at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He always provided just enough help, and he did let Luke struggle, because that's when you learn best. He never took too much of it. Uh-huh. If, if that makes sense. The scene, the scene with the, the trainers, remember those little things that shoot little yeah. dots at, at Luke? Yeah. Wasn't Yoda in one of those? Or was that just with Han on the Falcon? I can't remember, but there were a series of things that Yoda made him do that were just kind yeah. of like frustrating to him. You could see I, him struggling. No, I think that was with Yoda. But anyway, the point of that was mm-hmm. just that there definitely are times where he's made to struggle because it's like, oh, it doesn't kill you, makes you stronger kind of a thing. Yeah, that's not great. Well, sometimes it is. Kill you, it does. People. Yeah, kill you, it does. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, and I think this is a big pro for uh-huh. Yoda, but he provided personalized learning. <laughs> Who's to argue with that? Very differentiated Jedi instruction. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, think about all of the Jedi that come from uh-huh. Yoda. Uh-huh. Am I evaluating Yoda out of lightsabers? Yeah. How many lightsabers out of five? I I really feel like I can't evaluate Yoda. You don't have the objectivity to do this? I do not. I'm going to say like four out of five lightsabers. Okay. I do agree with the horrible syntax and the muttering, but also the results over effort, I mm-hmm. think, is really crucial for a teacher. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that for Yoda, the results were either using the force or not. And that also leads to dying or not. Uh huh. So high stakes for sure. High stakes testing, okay. if you will. Very I'm, high stakes. Yeah. I'm going to be a little harsh on Yoda. I'm only going to give him three out of five lightsabers. And the reasons for this... Now, it's not because I don't like Yoda, because I love Yoda and would enjoy hanging out with Yoda and training with Yoda. However... Fight you. While I think that Yoda would be good for me personally, I don't think that Yoda appeals to a broad subset of learners. No. I think that Yoda has a very specific kind of student that he would match with well, uh-huh. and that beyond that, he would struggle to communicate with students <laughs> who yes. perhaps approach discipline from a different angle. So right. I also think the thing about making up his mind about good students and bad students, I mean, I'm saying it in terms of students, but for him, it was just sort of like Anakin. people, mm-hmm. like you're a good person or you're a bad person. Yeah. And, you, I, I, and I also think that this is another criticism of the Jedi way of training and being is that there's a a really strong emphasis placed on this moral dichotomy. So there's just good and bad. There's evil and light and dark. There are heroes and there are evil people. Mm. There are like, and I think that we actually see that in the movies and in the storyline of Star Wars fall apart. The world order that is set up on this very stringent dichotomy of good and evil completely Mm. collapses. Like the Jedi order falls apart. Look at Ben. That's like all the proof you need. Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah. He's exactly that. That's his whole story. I think the point of it all is that looking at the world that way and raising a whole generation of young kids into that black and white struggle, it kind of feels like religious or moral absolutism or nationalism. It feels like this way of moving through the world that is uninterested in everything that has been considered wrong or immoral or unjust and i think that even within the star wars canon it proves itself to be dangerous and i think that it's also dangerous in the real world as we might be seeing now so yeah yeah. those are my deep dark thoughts on uh the star wars canon he's got master yoda he's got good aim so i'm just so you gave him three four out of five lightsabers i gave him three out of five lightsabers maybe maybe i'm siding too much with the teachers as person who gets evaluated i'm very sensitive to it so well yes Like I said, though, I I did want to preface that with, I personally really like Yoda, like as a character in Mm -hmm. Star Wars. And I think it would be fun to have him as a teacher. But I personally respond well to that sort of style. Yeah, and others don't. Yeah. Because Luke didn't for a while. No, he didn't. I think there are plenty of Jedi for whom that just doesn't work. And I think that Yoda could have been more sensitive to that and possibly averted catastrophe. Could he have? Yeah, but Yoda's not going to... I mean, he could have kept is, the he could have kept the galaxy together. Hey, you know, this is the way. This is the way. Okay, number yeah. four. Got to move on. Big switch. Yeah, sorry. Big switch. It's a downshift from Nerdland. Okay, Miss Sharon Norberry. 
from Mean Girls, mm. played mm-hmm. by Tina Fey. Another favorite of mine, this list is very biased. Another favorite of mine because this movie came out in 2004. We were the perfect age for this movie yeah, it was when a it came out. One it for was us. my entire high school. Four years. Yeah, this it was, was very everything. popular with my high school too. Yeah, mm-hmm. like my friends and I, we all. Yeah, I mean, still to this day, if you turn on the movie, I will quote the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, Mean Girls is a story of exactly that—a school full of mean girls. And Tina Fey's character, Miss Norbury, is the calculus teacher and the coach of the mathletes. She's basically just made fun of the entire movie and serves as a punching bag. Yeah, ta-da! And she was one of the. Wasn't she one of the writers on this movie? She's a producer and a writer. Okay, yeah. So she's making fun of herself. She does a lot of self-deprecating humor. She does. Tina Fey, in um, general. Yeah, so she means really well. And she does a lot of the good teacher. work. Yeah. Yeah. And Tina Fey. But, uh, uh, yeah. Tina Fey um, means well. It's fine. This is, this is fine. She a, means a, well. A Tina Fey support group at this point. <laughs> um, okay, so Miss Norbury, she means really well. She does a lot of good work for the school uh, and to make the students aware that their treatment of each other is really awful and that how women are spoken to is harmful. She has the best of intentions. Unfortunately, the humor of the movie really takes away from her well-meaning and good intentions, right? Like, she really is trying to teach these young women a lesson. And she's trying to help them see their own worth. And she's trying to do it in a way that the movie doesn't really make productive just because of the absolute ridiculousness of her job like she's trying to like in one scene like she got i think it's like coffee on her shirt and she's like trying to take off the sweater and the whole thing sticks and so like Mm -hmm. it's just like her and her bra the humor of her is so outrageous yeah that the lessons that she's teaching aren't super strong or like poignant or something because she's just so funny so coming from tina fey it's so hard to be like this is my very serious teacher who's trying to teach me about how to respect women because it's tina fey being hilarious um uh-huh. but i also think that she does the, the movie does do something about capturing the truly chaotic nature of trying to help teenagers oh, be better people it's absolute chaos it's like i i put in my notes here about this one is that I, I think mean girls is probably the closest to an accurate portrayal portrayal of what it's like to be a teacher in public school in modern america because it's just chaos and backstabbing on social media all the time which in the movie's case would be like the burn book basically but uh-huh. you know it's just like chaos and that and like when you try to do things to help they end up backfiring because yep. kids are kids and will do nasty things to avoid getting caught for misbehaving and so anyway i, I think it's probably the most realistic portrayal of what yeah. it's like Dealing with discipline in a public school right now. My high school actually does candy grams at Valentine's Day, just like they do in Mean Girls. And every year when it happens, I'm always like, none for you. Gotcha, wieners. <laughs> and, you know, like, you go, go and cook. I, like, do all of those things, and my kids never get it. Mm-hmm. And I tell my, my coworkers, I'm like, we're actually living Mean Girls. Like, we truly let the kids go and buy these things and get delivered in the middle of class, and they can put whatever name to whoever name. I I just, I thought that that was, like, Did some funny... Did we not funny, learn? I thought that was, like, some funny trope of the movie, and then my actual school still does it. And every year, I'm like, none for you, Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got delivered a rose in the middle of English class in, like, <gasps> sixth grade. Oh, love. No, do you know how horrifying that is? Love. Somebody came down from the office, walked into the room, stopped class to talk to the teacher at her desk, and then the teacher was like, okay, you come with me out into the hall, and I had to go out by myself like I was in trouble, where she gave me this rose from this kid. And it was yellow. Like it was he sold from the be, school. Yeah, yeah. I I wish I could remember. No, but. that was that was just a kid who gave you a rose. No, no. They were like they had little. Like, you were the only kid in the whole no, class no, 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 that no. got a rose. No, I wasn't the only one who got them. It's okay. just that this kid had a crush on me at the time, and it was mortifying that he got you a rose. Well, it was mortifying that the school didn't realize that setting it up to deliver them to people in the middle of class while it was on display and very obvious what was happening could be actually a bad thing. Mm, love. He was a sweet kid though, but I just love I was love loving. I wasn't into in it in 6th grade at the time. Okay, well you lived it as well. Yeah, we all lived it. None for you. None for me. <laughs> Anyway, mean bye. girls. That's what they say when they walk out. Bye. Not for you, Gretchen Wieners. Bye. And they just bye. leave the room. <laughs> but ultimately, I think she means very, very well. I think she actually does tell a good story of, t- of teaching in a high school, like you mentioned. 
And she really is trying to teach these young women that their treatment of each other is just horrible. Yeah. I feel and that like they should be more, you know, so I like yeah. the universal truths of what she's doing. I feel like I've watched you go through some of this with, with your kids. It's almost like for the sure. more well-intentioned you are in a given scenario, the more you're setting yourself up for failure because it's going to backfire 100%. in some really spectacular way. Either your admin's not going to support you or the kids are going to tell their parents something else other than what happened or the parents are going to scream at you anyway because well. they're just parents. Or like, you know, I just... It's very... And there are a couple scenes where Miss Dorber is just, like, talking in the void, and I just feel that deeply. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I guess I wouldn't say it's an overwhelmingly optimistic film, but it is a funny one. It's funny. It ends with a girl getting hit by a school bus. Yeah, and that's actually one of the funny parts, if you can believe the, it. The, I would agree. I'm just not sure that I'm... <laughs> she gets clobbered by a school bus. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're just girls reliving it in your head, aren't you? A lot. <laughs> they get a lot of a lot of uh, pencils. Very satisfying. Thunk. Don't have sex. You'll get. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with four out of five pencils on 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 the qual. If we're just rating the teacher being a teacher, I'm gonna give her four out of five. Pencils. I agree. It's just the scenario. The whole thing is just kind of set up for failure. You know, she makes her do mathletes after that. So she makes her make up for being a mean girl by being in the mathletes again. And so, Ugh. like, it's a good moral of the so story. Funny. But, but in terms of her being an, she, she's not like a top tier teacher, but she definitely is a teacher who's doing her best in a very realistic setting of bullying and teen- teenage hormones. Hundred percent. So okay, all right, number five. Yes, Mr. George Feeney from Boy Meets World. Feeney, <laughs> played by William Daniels. So he was the elementary teacher for the whole squad, including Corey, Sean, and Topanga. And then he became the principal at the high school where they attend. Yeah, he got retconned into being their teacher like their entire lives. Yeah, but he was really originally only like their sixth grade teacher or something. Yeah. So on top of being their former teacher uh-huh. and now principal, he is also the Matthews neighbor, adding to the relationships with everyone, mm-hmm. which I also believe was just another way for them to still have a Feeney connection. Mm-hmm. So Feeney was a dream teacher and a mentor. He was kind and considerate, calm and respectful, and he had a great way with words. He yeah, he was an orator for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, he would make grand speeches. He would, and they were beautiful. But I mean, I the, always remember sitting in like rapt attention whenever it came time for the Feeney speech. It was like, you know, its own section of an episode. Yeah. It would be like, they'd kind of ramp you up into this, everybody get ready, a Feeney Everyone's speech is coming. Everyone's about to learn. And you just sit there and you just stare mm-hmm. at this guy because he's so commanding when he talks. Yeah, he is. So the show really, I would say, really revolves around Feeney and his relationship with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I love the age gap and what makes it seem like there would be no connections between these groups and how he actually is one of the most important people to them all. Um, Yeah, I think that's less common in modern comedic TV settings that revolve around schools and stuff. I think the age gap between students and their teachers is often... uh, It gets shrunk, and I think a lot of that is is on purpose for storytelling reasons because it's supposedly maybe more relatable to have a younger educator. Yeah. But I think that, I think what you're saying is true here and that for us, when we were growing up, this show being a big part of our young TV life, probably mm-hmm. it's just like that, that was the model of the, you know, it was somebody who was like supposedly older and wiser, yeah. you know, yeah. he, he's kind of world weary in a way he knows his way around, but he just, he's kind of old school in a lot of ways, oh, but, yeah. but I really like him. Totally old interesting. school. Yeah. Um, and what I think is really cool about Mr. Feeney is that he's the last character seen on screen and he delivers the last line of the show. Mm-hmm. And I included in my evaluation that I would love for Feeney to be my boss. Mm, yeah. And I think that's a high compliment. I think that's an automatic five, uh, five pencil review. Yeah. Because there are not many people that I would willingly say I would love for you to be my boss. But I would take Feeney. Mm-hmm. Feeney. That's what. But I would totally take Feeney, and I think, um, gosh, just he's a great actor, which just makes him so good in the in the shows, anyways. But the thing that I said about him, I would also give him five out of five pencils. The other thing that I said about him is that he, and I mean, maybe this sets up unrealistic ex- expectations for educators, but he's a kind of archetypal always on teacher like he's always in teacher feeny mode like he's always 
the the wise older person yeah. that you go to with advice. In fact, he like even, he's working in his garden. Yeah, and he has like a life lesson. He'll and even he, get, his wife has been dead for a long time. Yes, and like it's just part of his whole learning is like he'll even do things like get a little upset if he notices that there's some drama going on and nobody's come to him for like advice yeah. or something. Like that's kind of the <laughs> he values he, his role. He knows that he is there to dispense the thoughts and wisdom that makes. The, the kids in the show feel better about the big mm-hmm. life changes they're all going through just as they grow up and as they turn into young adults. But yeah, no, I really like him. I like, you know, I, Boy Meets World is interesting because it was such like a boy-centric, it really felt like a boy-centric TV show, just the main cast of characters. It was like Topanga was there as the girlfriend a lot of times. So it felt like, it felt kind of rowdy and reckless some of the stuff that focused on Corey and Sean and everything to watch that show as a kid and I was like wasn't that the brother yeah yeah yeah, Eric the football kid and the older brother Mm -hmm. yeah and it's anyway it's just kind of like it's a typical American a small town American family it feels like a lot of families around where I grew up uh, with these kids just navigating teenage years and school and growing up and going off to college and all of these things but yeah I, I would say Feeney is more like a old school kind of authoritarian but one who earns the respect of his students Mm -hmm. for sure absolutely okay and honorable mention Mm -hmm. on our list this made you laugh it did okay my honorable mention miss annie hayworth (laughs) in alfred hitchcock's the birds yep played by suzanne plachette she is honorable mention of my list because, of course, she was murdered by a flock of birds. <laughs> and it feels like a political statement about education. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about Being Miss Being a Annie teacher Hayworth. is getting murdered by a flock of birds every day I go into my job. Yep. Okay. And uh, that's all I have for Miss Annie Hayworth. Her death um, was not necessary. Okay, so fun fact about the birds. But just fueled this ridiculous movie about birds. Yes. Okay. No, uh, yeah, fun fact about this movie that I learned while I was researching is that it was um, added to the Library of Congress for being a culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant piece of art selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. So just keep that in mind. I just, like, you... (laughs) You forgot that it was the teacher that got murdered by the birds. I haven't seen this movie in and a long time. I was time. like, of course, it's the teacher that got murdered by a flock of birds. I have not seen this movie in a long time. And the first time I saw it, I was probably a little too young because it creeped me out. It and should. I do not get it, it. And is, I do not like it. I think it's maybe the scariest Hitchcock. Yes. I watched a lot. I've watched uh, after that. I watched a lot of other Hitchcock, and I'm like, yeah. "Why do people like this?" And then every other movie, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, this is interesting." But the birds, I was just like, "No, this is just weird oh, and scary." Gosh. It's so well done. But anyways, honorable mention, like I said, Miss Annie Hayworth, just because of her her dedication, education, and her <laughs> willingness she to go down murdered. with the ship. <laughs> She died. Um, she tried to help protecting. her students too. Yeah. yeah, she died protecting yep, some kids. She did, and I just think that there's a lot to be said about teaching with her. I think we're gonna leave that one up to our listeners' imagination. Her very untimely death. Yeah. Also, if you think that was a spoiler, this literally came out in like the '60s. Yeah, something like leave that. Leave me alone. Okay. Okay. Well, are we ready to? Uh, are we not evaluating? Oh, I don't even know. Hero. I I guess five out of five for getting killed by birds. She was helping her students. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Yes. I'm not evaluating her death. Six out of 12 out of one. Six out of 12? (laughs) That's only 50%. She deserves better for dying. 17 out of five lightsabers for... (laughs) Annie Plachette. Or Annie Hayworth, played by Suzanne Plachette. Okay. Woo! Okay. That was my favorite one. I couldn't wait to get to that. Yeah, that's... We're going to have to rewatch that. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I can do that. All right. Okay. Last episode's question. Yes, fill in the blank. You want to do it? No, go ahead, please. Okay. The term edutainment has a history in the hip-hop community. It was first made popular amongst the hip-hop community by KRS-One, a.k.a. The Teacher, thanks to his album by the same name. What was the name of the group that made the album Edutainment? The group was one that basically set the stage for gangster rap. 
And it was Boogie Down Productions. Boogie Down Productions. All right. This episode's question? Yes. This is episode. And if you know the answer, write in and say hi to us. Hello at 16to1.com. All spelled out. Hello. Hello. Hello at 16 Hello. This episode's question. In 1984, President Reagan announced the Teacher in Space program, program aiming to inspire students, honor teachers, and spur interests in mathematics, science, and space exploration. More than 40,000 applications were mailed to interested teachers, with 11,000 teachers completing the application and submitting it to NASA. The program was discontinued in 1990 following the death of its first participant, who was killed in the space shuttle Challenger disaster on January 28, 1986. This teacher has been memorialized by more than 40 schools around the world, now carrying her name. Craters on the moon and Venus are also named after her. Craters. I'm going to get a crater named after me someday. Yeah, she had, yeah. Craters on the moon and Venus are also named after her, as are countless education centers, technology conferences, awards, and scholarships. What was that teacher's name? Teacher who was on the Challenger crew. Uh-huh. Yep. So what was her name? Okay. What okay. did you learn this week? I, is this... Have you read what I put? I'm just reading it now. Let me tell you. This is news is to that, me. Is that 16 to 1 appropriate? I, sh- sure. Okay. I mean, it's not, we're not crude about it. Well, I won't be. Oh. Um, I spend a period of every day in like a, a small group room working mm-hmm. with other teachers that I don't normally get to teach with, obviously. And we do tutoring and you know all kinds of things. But I've learned a lot in um, being around people, you know, our our friends, I would say mostly don't have children, whereas my coworkers mostly do. So mm. it's a very different world for me when I go to work because I'm learning a lot of things I didn't know about raising uh-huh. young children, uh-huh. whereas our friends we're just talking about. Yeah, you and I not, food. Ha- not having children, we tend to group up with other people who yeah. do not have children. Right. Although I would say a growing number of our friends. No, are they growing, are. Growing, joining the kid right. camp. But it just so happens that uh-huh. at work I'm surrounded by mostly people who do have children. Uh-huh. And today I learned that when a woman is ready to stop breastfeeding, that one of the age-old tricks to dry up their milk is to put cabbage on their breasts. Cabbage? Yeah. What does that do? It dries it up. That's weird. I thought that they were all kidding with me. Okay, is this a wives' tale? I feel like we have to look this up. One moment. I can quote three Google different teachers who all confirmed it. Okay. Wow. I started with why does cabbage, and the first results were make you gassy, make you fart, make you poop. <laughs> Hurt my stomach. Why does cabbage stop milk production? Okay, there's a bunch of hits on this. Mastitis is a painful condition that affects about 10% of breastfeeding women. It's especially common during the first weeks of breastfeeding during your weaning process. Okay, okay. The benefits of cabbage. (laughs) Cabbage is an effective home remedy for mastitis. Cabbage is even more effective than ice packs or other popular treatments for easing painful engorgement. There are many benefits to using cabbage leaves for mastitis. Cabbage is easy to use, natural and safe, inexpensive, and effective at reducing pain and swelling. Wow. It can help you continue breastfeeding your baby longer if you need to. They're not sure why it's so effective. Okay. Uh, It says that cabbage, like other vegetables, contains anti-inflammatory properties, which are likely to play a role. What is certain is that cabbage leaves have helped women ease pain from mastitis and engorgement for a very long time. Huh. Who knew? You're supposed to use green cabbage. I can give you the instructions if you want them. I'm good. I don't need them. Yeah, yet. it says you'll feel relief within 30 minutes of applying cabbage leaves. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is kind of strange. And I and did obviously not know that. it says if you're allergic to cabbage, not to do don't it. Don't do this okay. if you're allergic yeah, to the I, thing. Yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, there's no chance this is real. And all three women in the room were like, that's true. Okay. So I learned that today. That's so interesting. I did not know that. I'll let you go now. Oh, okay. Very, very normal. Well, I'm going to share something I learned researching for this episode, and it is about the birds. So, sorry to bring us back to that dark and depressing film for the final boss here. But I should have uh, worn my bird's t-shirt. You should have. We'll have to take a picture and post you in the show notes. Uh, So, the film was partly inspired by true events Mm -hmm. of a mass bird attack. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Ew! Yep. On the seaside town of Capitola in California in 
August 18th, 1961, when the residents awoke to a scene that seemed straight out of a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Hordes of seabirds were dive-bombing homes, crashing into cars, and spewing half-digested anchovies onto lawns. It's my worst nightmare. Ew! Alfred Hitchcock. Ew, ew. Alfred Hitchcock heard of this event and used it as research material for his film, which was then in progress. The real cause of the bird's behavior was toxic algae. Oh. But that wasn't known in the 60s. Wow. I have visited Bodega Bay, which was the filming location Uh, for the birds. uh Uh-huh. And Mm -hmm. uh, I visited the schoolhouse, and they have little Hitchcocks everywhere. Big fan of Hitchcock there. Lots of birds. They're not wrong. Beautiful town... One of the coolest views of the Pacific. Very, very cool area. I bought Tippy Hedron wine there. Wine. They have they have Tippy everywhere. They love her. Yeah. Um, she's on like shirts. She's on literally everything. Billboards, keychains. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very touristy. Um, Totes. But Bodega Bay is really neat, and that's where it was filmed. Huh. You can go up to the old school and take pictures in front of it. I'll find some pictures of me there. It was it was really cool to visit. Yeah, I like to see. I had it. recently gone into a big Hitchcock rewatch at that point. And was in uh, just north of San Francisco. I, you and, and I have talked about doing that again. We should, yeah. we should maybe uh, move uh, that up on our list. I would love to. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's one of my favorite areas to visit. But that's where it was filmed. And the it's it was kind of fun. I was, This was years ago. I was there now. But it was kind of funny because it's definitely like some of the locals like tell you what it was like when they were filming. And they're mm-hmm. like these old dudes who just like sit outside the little store. Uh-huh. And, like, you they know, look like yeah. Hemingway. They're like, yeah, and they'll be like, oh, Hitchcock. Old leathery skin. You know, it's uh-huh. funny. Uh-huh. So. It's it's kind of cool to see that stuff. Neat. Yeah. Cool. That was a fun episode. Yeah. Final final thoughts on all of these uh big screen <laughs> teachers. Just, no. I I could rewatch a few of these movies right now and I think that might be nice. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um maybe just take take some time for yourself and uh kick back and relax as soon as you're you all are out for your school years. Make sure you take some time for yourself and and relax and maybe get get caught up on some movies Woo, just for fun. Take some time for you. Yep. Getting, the weather's getting nice maybe a nice little walk sure is we've been doing a lot of gardening work we have been it's been very yeah. it's re- very rewarding work I, it is it does bring me a lot of happiness to work in our yard my body hurts so much the first day we were in the yard but it felt good to yeah. do that kind of work so. um it's a good feeling to take care of something that you know yeah i just like that and oh our last thing mm-hmm. we have bird nests and we are bird mom we moms. do um very invested in their lives. Finches very and concerned, yeah. concerned about the one who's in a hanging basket because all it does is spin around. Yeah, the wind whips that thing around. I think Mama's going to get vertigo. I just see her little head like, oh God, here I go again. She, and it's I mean, like... The wind, the wind kicks up and she just spins around like it's I like just, a sitting on a sit and spin. And she's trying to well, nurture some eggs. Babies to hatch and get them out of there. Poor little babies. Um, no, I just... Uh, yeah, it's very, it's been, it's just, you know, fun stuff right now. Yeah, so. spring has sprung. Little victories and little things that make you feel good. So cool. we will see you in two weeks. Yep. See you in two weeks for our last one of your school year. Wee. Yeah. All right. Talk Bye-bye. to you next time. Bye. supporting 16 to 1. We're trying to grow our audience, so please check us out at 16to1.com, all spelled out, and tell your friends about the show. On our website, you can find links to follow us on social media, an archive of all our old episodes, and a contact form where you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next show. Feeny! Fee-he-he-heeny!